0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bailey is tracked down for a short loss. Shamarco Thomas.
1: It's like a missile.
0: It's a heat-seeking missile to the football. Charles finding someone, directing his body, and trying to run through that person. An Explosive safety.
1: For some programs, maybe doesn't mean as much. For this Syracuse program, it means a lot.
0: What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network with episode 11 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. No Shamarco Thomas for this episode, but internet sensation Kyle F. is here, so we are in very capable hands. Kyle, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing well, Mike. Uh, I'm still recovering from our loss, um, but my Saints played well. Uh, and the Red Sox, I believe are not doing as well as they normally should be. So it feels great for me. It's a great day. Um, and I'm in all honesty, not really ready to discuss this game. Uh, is the first two he's going to have been to since 2020 for any sport.
0: I am not prepared for this. At least you were entertained. I mean, you know, at least it wasn't a, um, like last year when Syracuse went one in 10, um, there were a lot of games where kind of midway through the second quarter, you felt like, all right, this game's over. And Syracuse's main chance in those games was to try to keep the opposing team under 20 points and to hope they could figure out a way to somehow get a couple of touchdowns. At least now you feel like they're going to be in the game and it's going to come down to a couple decisions here and there. So there, there is some progress there. We'll, we'll break all that down. But before we get to that, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I want. I'm going to start with you, with your overall thoughts, just kind of a macro level view of the loss. We'll get into many of the specifics um, as we as we go throughout this episode. But your macro view, high level thoughts on Syracuse's loss to Wake Forest. My
1: macro level view is that in all honesty, we should be undefeated. I, this team played really well. The, the scoreline does not reflect that and they deserve better that there was some things we'll get into. As you said, that could have ebbed and flowed the game. It changed how it ended up playing, but a lot of things could have fallen our way and we could have won this game very easily that it just I don't know what it was it wasn't our day I mean the touchdown at the end of the game was one of the luckiest catches I've ever seen and it it happens it happens it's one of those games where you got to take it and just keep it in stride but again we're now three and three so it kind of sucks but my macro view is we should have won this game we should be undefeated
0: Yeah, I get that. My macro level view is if Syracuse misses out on a bowl game, I think they're going to look back at these three losses and specifically the last two and the missed opportunities and they're going to kick themselves. Now, there were certainly issues in each game. If you look at the Rutgers game, we went over um, in that episode, if you want to go back and and look at that. The, The officiating issues in terms of, the 15-yard on sportsman like or, or personal foul on sportsman like conduct, whatever penalty they called on Tito Babers. We went over that and its impact. The Taj Harris fumble that wasn't. We went over all of that. Um then you look at the Florida State game and there were there was the um roughing the passer penalty that was nonsense at the end of the first half. There was the um very frustrating, we'll say, or blatantly obvious non-holding call on Florida State's final drive in that game. This game didn't really have that. There was really only one call that I thought was a little bit questionable, and that was when Syracuse had forced a fumble, and they called defensive holding on Deuce Chestnut. He had his arms around the receiver, but the receiver had given up on the on the route, wasn't really running. That It was kind of a ticky-tack thing, but regardless... This game was more of it felt like every 50-50 call that Syracuse had to make. Whatever they made ended up being the wrong one. And so, again, when you look, when you get to the end of the season, if Syracuse does not end up with a bowl game, they don't end up with six wins. They're going to look back at these three games with the myriad of missed opportunities. Um bad breaks by the officials uh coaching decisions couple execution plays here and there and and really kick themselves uh the the positive spin on it is you're not doing this against the ohios and the albany's on your schedule you're doing this against a Rutgers team that you know Shiano wants to win really bad for recruiting purposes because you battle them in recruiting in the Northeast all the time. Florida State was desperate after starting 0-4. And oh, by the way, Florida State followed up their win against Syracuse by blowing out North Carolina at North Carolina. I'll continue to to say that despite Florida State being 0-4, they were not a traditional 0-4 team. And then this Wake Forest game was against a team that was undefeated in the top 20 and is currently the favorite to win the ACC or at least advance out of the ACC Atlantic Division to the championship game. So all of that said, I still think, I think this Syracuse team is a good football team. I think that there is talent and depth here. And yet it's frustrating to not see the win loss result, So that's, that's kind of where I, I'm kind of all over the place there, but those are kind of my macro thoughts, the bowl game, the, I think this is a good team. And, uh, I think you can see improvement fr- from last year, especially given the level of competition. So the next, the next place I want to go, we discuss the quarterback situation each episode, especially early on in the season when it was going back and forth, but it's been Garrett Schrader for the last three games. Your overall thoughts on the play of Garrett Schrader. I'll give you his stats real quick before we get your thoughts. He was 15 for 27 passing, 160 yards, two passing touchdowns. He was only sacked twice, did not turn it over. He ran for 178 yards on 29 carries, averaged over six yards per carry, and had one rushing touchdown as well. Your thoughts about Garrett Schrader and what he has meant to the evolution of the Syracuse offense.
1: I mean, he played real well this game. Um, like, he is our starting quarterback, and there isn't a question anymore of is it Schrader or is it DeVito. Like, the first game where he started, it was like, oh, are they just going to try him and see how it is? And then against Florida State, it was like, oh, they liked it, but was it enough Let's give him a second chance? He's a starter. He is QB1 on the depth chart. He should be. He His combination with Sean Tucker is a – destructive blow to any defense. I mean, the longest run both him and Tucker had, and we'll discuss Tucker later, was 24 yards. But they ran for over 350 yards. That is a very large number of yards to run for. Um, that The two of them had 50 55 carries. I mean, it's Schrader works perfectly with Tucker. Schrader doesn't want to pass the ball all the time. When he did, he got really close on a bunch of deep shots. It felt like, like a couple of things go right for him. This game is a huge win for Trader. And he ends the game with 200 plus yards, uh, both passing and rushing. I mean, some of the plays he did where he held the ball and ran for it. He very easily could have broken a couple of tackles and gone for a, t- a long touchdown. But he just got unlucky. The guy tackled him with a shoestring and he was brought down. I mean, he he played lights out this game. Uh, If he is not QB1 in every Syracuse fan's eyes, I don't know what else could make it QB1.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can see the difference in the offense from what it was the last couple of years and even what it was at the beginning of the season um, to what it is now. It's a complete change in philosophy and approach and everything else. But here's the other part of it. It's not just what he did in this game. It's what he's done over the last three games. And in each game, Syracuse has increased its total offensive yards and points from the previous week from Liberty to Florida state to wake forest. So you're increasing the talent level or the level of competition. Basically each week you go Liberty is, is probably going to be the team that ends up with the best record or the highest ranking them or wake forest. Uh, Florida state probably has the most talent in terms of, uh, you know, raw NFL prospects. And those are three teams that came in pretty good against the run. Um, You know, Wake Forest in the top half of the ACC, Florida state, I believe was in the top two or three in the ACC going into that game. And I think Liberty was only allowing about 50 yards rushing per game coming into uh, the carrier dome. So you played three good rushing teams, three rush, three good rushing defenses. I should say three teams that prepared specifically for at least the last two prepared specifically for the RPO and trying to stop Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader and still couldn't. So I think that tells you that you've got something here in in what your offense is in this RPO power run style type of offense. And again, 354 yards rushing 178 of that from Garrett Schrader. He's getting more comfortable throwing the football and there, I think the coaching staff is doing a better job at calling passing plays that he's comfortable with, some of those quick slants, uh, the plays where he rolls out to one side and then someone comes from um, the backside of the formation and kind of runs parallel to the line of scrimmage and he can dump it off to them, um, which is almost an, an extension of your rushing attack as kind of a sweep type of a run play. But um, they've done a nice job with with some of those different wrinkles. Of which Garrett Schrader is comfortable. And and the more he plays and the more experience he gets, I think you're gonna see that playbook expand even more, and he's gonna have even more opportunities to make uh, some of those passes. And to your point, you know, it it seems it feels like a matter of time before he connects on one of those deep balls. And it hasn't happened yet. Friday night against Clemson would be a great time for that to happen. But um, you know, I I don't think it is. There are a lot of things that you can criticize Syracuse for in this game. I don't think the offense, and specifically Garrett Schrader, is one of them. So uh, really strong performance from him, and I agree with you. He's the QB one going forward, and that really shouldn't be a discussion. It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman's Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. But the other guy that we have to talk about is Sean Tucker, who won ACC running back of the week, deservedly so. 153 yards rushing, two touchdowns, 29 yards receiving, a third touchdown touchdown leads the nation in all purpose yards second in the nation in rushing yards every week teams go into the game specifically trying to stop him he is the number one focal point of opposing teams game plans and they still can't stop him i mean it's it's unbelievable what he's been able to do and all the talk about bringing an unretiring 44 and giving it to him I don't know how you'd argue with it if they decided to do that. He has just been flat out spectacular so far this season. He has
1: been. And I think the best way to summarize how well he has played is by his Twitter, which for those who don't know, Sean Tucker is notorious now for his post-game tweets of his stats and certain things he says. And what he said after this game was, I'm pleased with my performance, but not happy with the outcome. I wish I could have done more. There's literally nothing more he could have done, but he wants to have done more. He is a Heisman candidate. He leads the nation in all purpose yards. Yet somehow he said he wanted to do more. I don't know. What could he have done? Pass for 200? Like, I don't don't get what he could have done more, but he's that good and he wants to do more. He is the life of this offense. This team surrounds him. As he goes, we go. And no matter what happens with Schrader, how he's been playing and running the ball, they have to. the defense has to stop him first because he ran for more yards than Sean Tucker did this week. They have to stop Schrader. And so all of a sudden, you're stopping Schrader and Tucker instead of just Tucker. And that opens up a whole, whole bag of tricks he can pull out. He's fast. He hits the hole well. He can accelerate through and beat people just like by sprinting. He wants to be a sprinter. He wants to be on the track team. Like... I I cannot praise him any more than that. He is a stud and I I know people want the number 44 to be unretired for him. I don't disagree. I I seeing him in 44 might not be the worst thing to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean and you know on top of that after he won ACC running back of the week, his uh tweet and as you mentioned his notorious tweets, right? So he's um Every week it's I'm pleased with or not pleased with. And it's just how casually he's like, yeah, I was pleased with rushing for three touchdowns and accumulating 280 or I'm sorry, 180 all purpose yards against the number 19 team in the country. I I was pleased with that. Okay. Well, (laughs) it's just the casual way he says it is is hysterical and Syracuse fans definitely look forward to that every week. Um, But that said, I, I think I think the offensive line, especially in this game, deserves a shout out. They were down three key players, two definitive starters, and another one who who definitely rotates in and plays quite a bit. Um, the The first one, Chris Bleich, was a surprise scratch in this one. Aaron, and he's a starting left guard. Aaron Service, your starting center, went out early in the game, and Darius Tisdale has missed the last couple, uh, missed last game, and missed this one. He's probably going to be out. Uh, for what looks like at least a couple more weeks. So um, without those guys, without those guys, they still ran for 354 yards, as we said, um, over six yards of carry as a team protected the quarterback. And, you know, it it was the fact that you had a true freshman and Kalen Ellis starting at guard, Um, and and playing that well against such a good team that has a a very good defensive line, I think the offensive line deserves so much kudos for how much they've improved since last season. And that goes not only to the players and the depth that they've built um, and and increased from last year when they had all the injuries, but also offensive line coach Mike Schmidt, I think, deserves a lot of credit for, for the way that they have performed so far.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean... It, it also helps when you have a running back as good as Tucker and a quarterback who runs as well as Schrader does and plays like he has. That I mean, the last few weeks, they have looked great. And I'm, you said it, he got sacked twice today, Schrader. I mean, last year, as, as we all know, we saw DeVito get sacked basically a dozen times a game. And it was, it was surprising to see he could still stand afterwards. But this year, they have hunkered down. And it started this season – as the offense was the problem and the defense was the solution. Now it feels like it's almost flipped that the offense is the solution and the defense is the problem. I mean, Tucker scored the game tying touchdown for us. He ran for another two. I mean, it felt like the offense through Tucker and through the O line and through Schrader was the best part of this team this week. And it wasn't feel like he was even close in all honesty.
0: Yeah. And we will get into, you know, it feels like we're talking about a win with how much we're praising, you know, all of this stuff offensively, we will certainly um, get into the questionable decisions that certainly cost Syracuse and some issues that they had defensively in this game. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the last drive um, of the game and, you know, Syracuse gets the ball inside its own 10 yard line. They had to go to 94, 95 yards in order to, uh, in order to to tie the game up and they're able to do it. And you know what, honestly um, the fact that that they were able to do that, given that Garrett Schrader's big weakness, and it's still an area of concern and still something he has to continue to work on is his throwing ability. So when you get into a two minute offense late in the game, can he march you down the field? to get a game winning or game tying score. And he answered that question. And and I think there's a misconception sometimes with a run based offense that you can't go fast and that you can't use your run based offense in a, a two minute drill situation. So the fact that they were able to do that in such a critical situation, I understand that the game didn't end up turning out that the way that they wanted. And so, you know, okay, they did it, but it didn't end up leading to a win. I still think it's encouraging for what the offense can be and continue to develop into and kudos to them for figuring out a way to move the ball down the field, get into the end zone and set up, um, set up what should have been a very interesting two point conversion attempt uh, that ended up not being, we will get to that in a moment, but I thought that last drive was extremely impressive uh, all around for Syracuse.
1: Oh, it was amazing to watch. And I mean, the section I was in uh, in the dome was going crazy watching that happen And just looking at, like, the stats of it, only one player not named Garrett Schrader or Sean Tucker had the ball in that time. The only other person was Courtney Jackson for a two-yard completion. Outside of that, it was Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader either running the ball, each of them, or Schrader passing it to Tucker for, again, the eventual touchdown. And that shows where the offense is at. That, again, with DeVito at the helm, we didn't know who would get the ball at the end of the game. There was no clear... This is the game plan for a two minute drill. And we had exactly two minutes to go to win the game. And they did exactly that. It was a two minute drill, 94 yards from our own six. And they scored a touchdown. That like, doesn't happen for us. That feels like it shouldn't have happened this year. The offense has been all in shambles. Oh, is Schrader QB one? Is DeVito QB one? They, they did it. They really, really did it. And as you said, the only problem was the, the two-point conversion that should have been that I, in all honesty, don't know what happened. Um, that it, uh, We scored the touchdown with 21 seconds left, and I mean, I know we'll probably chat about this in a second, but apparently there was a lot of miscommunication to the point where we got a uh, delay of game penalty uh, on a two-point conversion,
0: which I don't know how that happens, but It did for us. (laughs) I mean, there's let's let's go right there and we'll start off uh, discussing some of these questionable decisions with that. Um, But the the two point conversion, there were a couple there were a few things that happened here. First of all, uh, Dino Babers would later reiterate or later state that he didn't make the decision to go for two until um, Sean Tucker ran it in. And so it was kind of a last minute decision as opposed to knowing going into the drive. If we score, we're going for two type of a situation. So I think that probably hurt the ability to have some sense of urgency because I'm not sure that the players after they scored knew that that was coming. Whereas if you communicate that to them right before the drive starts, they know immediately stay out here because we're going for two. Then the other part was they wanted to have them huddle on the sideline as opposed to going out and huddling as they do normally for offense to make sure everyone was on the same page. And given how many different pieces you had in there as what you did at the beginning of the season, especially with those three offensive linemen out, um, no Taj Harris, so you've got some younger guys in action there, they wanted to make sure everyone was on the same page. And, and especially with a new center, You know, I, I get where, where that desire is. And that's where having a timeout <clears throat> would have been extremely helpful because then you can take your time and, and go through all of that. The other part of it was, it seemed like less time elapsed between when the score happened and when the flag came out, then there were two other two point conversions that happened earlier in this game. Um, I'm sorry, three other ones, two of them by Wake Forest. They went one for two, one previously by Syracuse that they missed. And in each of those, it felt like more time elapsed after the score before the ball was snapped. Um, than it did before the delay of game penalty was called in this one. So I don't know if in those situations there was a resetting of the play clock that didn't happen in this situation and why that would have been. It just felt like it was on the quick side. But regardless, so you've got the not making the decision to go for two until the last minute, which hurts you, because then no one has a sense of urgency right after the touchdown to get over to the sideline immediately to talk about what you need to talk about. Then when they do get over there, according to Coach Baber, some of the players didn't have urgency getting back out onto the field. So that hurts you. So I think that that's a learning experience that they can learn from if they're in that situation again. But I do love the call of going for two. I've, I liked the aggressiveness with that. It's just unfortunate that we didn't get to see whatever that play would have been. Um, but the the other decision that – I think has most people talking. There's a couple others we'll talk about, but this one in particular was in the, I think it was the end of the first half or or three plus minutes to go in the first half. And wake forest has the ball in Syracuse territory. They have a third and 13. They throw an incomplete pass. There's a penalty on wake forest for holding. And. Rather, if they decline the penalty, if Syracuse declines the penalty, then Wake Forest has a 4th and 13. They're not going to go for that, but they likely set up for a 51-yard field goal. Now, Wake Forest's kicker is perhaps the best kicker in the nation. He's certainly in the discussion. And Dino Baber said after the game that he was drilling them reti- routinely from 58 in pregame warm-ups. And so that was in Dino Baber's said. So his thought is, if this guy goes out here and a 51-yard field goal, he's going to make it, and I can't let that happen because I know this game's going to be a close game, and I got to try to keep as many points off the board as possible. So knowing that his defense had been playing well to that point, your late first half, um, Wake Forest only had ten points to that point. You've the decision was to accept the penalty, push them back to third and 23, and out of field goal range. Now, if you can get an incomplete pass. Wake Forest is going to punt the ball back to you. I'll start with you. Your thought on, actually, I'm going to go first, and then we'll get to you. Um, the, my first thought was, it's a good offensive team. Don't give them another chance to convert a third down. Wake Forest kicker, despite drilling those from 58 in pregame warmups, has never attempted a field goal of 50 or more yards in a live game at the college level. Um, So I almost think you take that risk. And if he makes it, he makes it. But the other part of that is whether he makes it or misses it, you give your offense three plus minutes to try to move the ball down and score. And as we mentioned, when you're a run based offense and you're not the quick passing type of offense, the two minute drill may not be as easy for you to go through as it is for some other teams or what this offense was, you know, under Eric Dungy. So you give yourself three minutes. Now you can continue to do some of the things you've had success with so far in the first half. So I thought that there was kind of a a lack of, of taking the, how it affected the offense into consideration. Uh, But then also I don't want to give an offense that had been struggling to get into rhythm, a chance to do that. And, and I think, by giving them that extra chance, it kind of got that monkey off their back once they were able to convert the third and 23. And, and they end up punching in for a touchdown on that drive. So I, I thought that was a costly decision and uh, you know, took gave Wake Forest at least four extra points, if not seven.
1: I agree that it was a costly decision, but I, I think I'm in the minority when I say I think Dino made the right choice, which if you're him and you either give them three points. Cause in your head, he's been drilling from 58. He's not missed a kick this year. You know, he's going to make it that. It's just how he's been playing, how he was looking at warmups. It it's all leading to him making this kick that it's going to happen regardless. And either you take that chance of him say 85% of the time, making that kick, or you say, my defense is the best part of this team. They've been playing well so far. They've only lit up 10 points so far in this game. We're near, near halftime. They're playing really well. It's so far been a, only a couple plays in the drive. They've got energy. Let's go for it. Let me trust my defense. It's third and 23. What are the odds that they can convert that? In all honesty, they're not big. They're not large odds. They can convert that. Keep the play in front of you. Let them get 15 yards. Fine. Whatever. It's still a 48 yard field goal for the guy to make. Like that's, that's cool with me. It's, The fact that the defense let up a 25-yard pass on a third and 23, when you know there is only one thing they're going to do, you know they're going to pass that ball. There's no way they're running that ball from 23 yards away. I'm sorry, but anyone says they're going to run that ball, you're lying to yourself. Even Sean, they wouldn't run it with Sean Tucker on their field. They just wouldn't do that. So the fact that they let the pass up was what shocked me, that it felt like there was just a humongous cushion around like the 15 to 25-yard range. There any pass for Hartman would have got to a first down that it was like, no matter where he throws that ball in that gap, it's a first down that I don't think cho- Dino's choice to say yes to the penalty and accept it was a problem. I think the defense was the problem, which feels strange to say, because, you know, the defense played really well this year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and it's a good point because to that point, as we said, Wake Forest only had 10 points. They weren't consistently moving the ball down the field. Um, and it, the the decision to, to only rush three, I, I mean, Wake Forest had, as we said, they had 10 points to that point. Um, and their previous possession ended with an interception. And... It just felt like the fact that you gave up a 25 yard pass. So you put yourself in a situation where not only could you do that, but because you gave him so much time with that three-man rush, you could have also given up a 15-yard pass or an 18-yard pass, in which case they're still not close enough to go for it on fourth down. But now your 51-yard field goal is a 45-yard field goal, is a 43-yard field goal. And it's it's much different. Then the 51 yarder, it's it's what their kicker has done routinely before why he's one of the best in the country, as opposed to yes, he can make the 50 plus yarders in uh, warm ups, but can he do it in a live game? And can he do it when he's got hands up where he can't just kick the ball as low as he wants to try to get it, you know, a, a little bit further. So, you know, if if you're going to accept the penalty which Sergi's defense, to your point, had been playing well at that, at that juncture of the game. So do you trust your defense that they're going to continue to play well, but then sitting back in a prevent defense, I think opens you up to multiple bad things happening to make it worse than what it would have been had you declined the penalty. So it, it, it's really, really unfortunate that it, that it kind of worked out that way uh, from a Sergi's perspective. The other one I wanted to talk about was... There was a fourth and two that Syracuse had in the fourth quarter. So here's, here's the situation. Wake Forest had taken a lead and had gone for two and missed it. They were up 26-21. Syracuse comes down and scores to take a 27-26 lead. Syracuse also uh, missed their two-point conversion to try to go up by three. Wake Forest punched the ball on their next possession. Syracuse has an opportunity now to go down and score and take either a four point lead so that a field goal can't beat you or score a touchdown. and You go up by eight points and now Wake needs a touchdown and a two point conversion just to tie you. Um, So you have an opportunity to continue to put momentum back on your side. And Syracuse is driving the ball. They end up with a fourth and two at the Wake Forest 27-yard line. And rather than going for the fourth and two when they had been running the ball at six yards a clip to that point, they bring out Andre Schmidt for a 45-yard field goal. Uh, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on that decision. So I think Dino thought back to last week's game and the
1: decisions he's made on fourth down previously that have not gone his way. And he said, you know what? I'm going to hold my hands up here and say, I'm going to give it to Schmidt. He's a consistent kicker. He'll make this. It's 45 yards. It's not like a given kick, but he's done this before. He'll do it again. It'll be fine. But the season Schmidt's having, you have to take that into account. And Dino did not take that into account here. That I think this is more of an error on Dino than the other call was. That it's fourth and two. Schrader and Tucker up to that point had been running the ball like menaces. I mean, on this drive alone, Tucker had to run a 14, around a 15. Like you got to trust that he's going to do that. Um, and he trusted Schmidt, which I get, but Schmidt's not had a good year. We've discussed this. Schmidt has been off this year. He's missed a bunch of kicks. I mean, he missed this one wide left. It, it felt like it was just going to miss. I mean, the entire section, uh, I was sitting in was like, he's going to miss this. It's going to happen. It wasn't even like a, normally we're confident in him. This was a, no, he's going to miss this. Like you can just tell by him walking out, by how it looks, by how it feels, this is going to be missed. And Dino took everything into account, but how Schmidt's been playing, which almost seems counterintuitive because a lot of NFL teams look at firstly, how the kicker's doing, then look at how their team has been doing, which Dino did the opposite of here. Which was he looked at the team first, then the kicker second, and assumed the kicker would just make it, but it's it 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 didn't go that way, and Schmidt air it left, and I have to feel bad for him to be honest because it he apparently has just not been taking it well that he's been he's hard on himself, and him missing that field goal I know can't have felt good because that would have put us up by four, and it would have been thirty to twenty six, all of a sudden they get a touchdown then. We need only we need three four points and then a touchdown puts us back. It's him missing that uh, field goal probably like hurt us and most likely would have like it cost us the game. And that it, it sucks to say that it, it doesn't it shouldn't fall on Schmidt's shoulders to should fall on Dino's shoulders for the play
0: call. So here's here's kind of where I stand on it. I it feels like the other part of it is Syracuse could have gone for fourth two and not got it. Right. So you're in a almost damned if you do, damned if you don't situation uh, for for Dino. But when I look at Andre Schmidt, he is from inside of 40 yards, absolute money. He is almost automatic inside of 40 yards. I feel unbelievably confident inside of 40 yards with him. You know, I think he's making like 85% of his, 90% of his his kicks from, from that range. But you get outside of 40 yards. And he drops down to about a 65, 66% kicker. And that's where I think that needed to be taken. Maybe it was taken into consideration by by Dino Babers. Uh, He has a lot of trust and a lot of confidence in Andre Schmidt because he knows how accurate he is as a kicker. Um, And, you know, when you look at his overall numbers, that's true. But when you start getting beyond 40 yards, that's when sometimes it's a little bit iffy. And so given the way that Syracuse had been running the ball and the fact that they were running the ball well in the fourth quarter, wearing down Wake Forest defense. I mean, the other part of this that, you know, I, I don't think is, is getting enough um, discussion is the time possession. You know, uh, Syracuse had the ball for about 34 minutes of the game and Wake Forest only had it for 26 and, you know, Syracuse was, was controlling things and, Um, on that drive, they were running the ball very well. And so you get to, they they ran for 10 yards just to set up the fourth and two. So given all of that, I like being aggressive in that situation. And you know what, if it doesn't work, I think fans, for the most part, you're going to get criticized regardless of what you do, but for the most part fans can live with you being aggressive and putting confidence in something that's working, right? You're running the ball. It's working. You have a fourth and short. I'm going to go out there and run something that I have confidence in. You just scored a touchdown to bring yourself within a point of the number 19 team in the country. I'm going for two in the win because I believe in our guys. If it doesn't work out, I think fans for the most part can say, you know what? I, I get it. I get being aggressive. It just didn't work. Oh, well, um, but you know it's one of those things where it just was one of those games where it didn't matter what dino decided it just didn't seem to go his way uh, i no, think in it, each of the, in each of didn't. those you can find the logic in it but in each of those you can also argue the opposite that's that's part of being a head coach and and hopefully um you have to figure just from a pure odds and and probability standpoint that some of these are going to start turning out the right way for Syracuse, right? As the season goes along. So I guess that's maybe your silver lining right there.
1: I, I guess it is. And I mean, I know this is hypothetical, but if I'm Dino in that situation, I say Schrader, you're going to run this ball. You're going to do what Brady, what Breeze do in the NFL, which is you take that, you run directly behind your center and you run straight through them. And what you do behind him is, is you put Chris Elmore and Sean Tucker back there, and you say you two, your job is just to shove him as far forward as you can get him. Like Chris Elmore is a force. You say just run behind him and then throw him forward, and you get the first down. I don't think it's a, it's not going to happen. It's two yards. It's not that far. They're going to load the box, but Schrader's also a large human being who can hurt somebody, and so is Chris Elmore. He's not a he's not a wimp, and so is Sean Tucker. That you have him just run straight. It's it, it works fairly often. Their defense, as you said, was being worn down at this point. They just let two big runs for Sean Tucker go. So I don't see why you don't trust the run game at that point in time. Because like the only thing you could trust in the game at that point was the run game. The fact that he didn't trust it is what freaks me out in a strange way.
0: Now, um, before we uh, get to our final thoughts here on this game, th- there is one thing I wanted to discuss quickly on on the the defensive performance from Syracuse. Um, they did not blitz Sam Hartman at all this game. Baber said after the game that, that he didn't want to because he saw how successful Hartman has been this season against the Blitz, and so they kind of elected to play coverage. Uh, there were instances where that strategy seemed to work, um, but But overall, Hartman finished 19 for 32, 330 yards, three touchdowns. They did get one interception. They did still sack him twice. But I think mixing in some pressure here or there would have been good. Uh, The other part of it was Syracuse gave up a lot of big plays through the air in this game. They gave up um, a 69-yard touchdown pass in this one um, to... A.T. Perry from Sam Hartman that was in the third quarter that was what gave Wake Forest the lead it was a a one play drive um, when Wake Forest got the ball back there Um, and they had a 46 yard touchdown pass from Hartman to A.T. Perry in the second quarter that was um, Wake Forest's first touchdown of the game that brought them to within 14 to 10. So, uh, and and then of course in overtime, the 22 yard touchdown to win it on a second and seven play. So wake had some big plays through the air in this one, the third and 23, where they had a 25 yard completion. And, you know, I, I think um, the strategy of, of not bringing pressure at times hurt Syracuse in this one. Um, but also as much, Confidence and as much faith as they put into um, Deuce Chestnut and, and Garrett Williams that they can show that they're human on occasion. And so, um, you know, I, I think I don't know that it's something to freak out about necessarily when, when you look moving forward, uh, unless it starts to become a trend, but was certainly uh, something that I didn't expect to see that many times in this game. And I think really came back to bite Syracuse.
1: I agree. I didn't think we would see what we did. Um, in all honesty, I think Dino put almost too much faith in Deuce and Garrett. I know we've discussed that, and we said, yeah, these two guys are great. You can put them on an island, and they'll do well. But you put them on an island, assuming you're doing something else on defense rather than just put them on an island to do nothing else. That I mean, Marlo Wax made a living this year on second quarterback. That is what he's done best on anyone on this team. He has been getting after QBs, left, right, and center. Yes, I think you send him, you send a linebacker to You bring a cornerback blitz, bring on somebody else at corner, have them blitz. I mean, there was a million things he could have done in this game that could have helped chestnut and Williams out because I mean, Williams was on Roberson for most of the game and Roberson had a, a, a field day and it Williams defended him. Well, it was just that Roberson played really, really well because Sam Hartman had all kinds of time to pass that ball. I mean, Firstly, he did that weird thing, and we discussed this beforehand how he sits there and like holds it in the RPO position for like 10 seconds and then passes the ball or gives it off to Beale Smith to run it, which looks strange if those defense off. But if you give pressure to him, if you throw a linebacker or you throw a cornerback to blitz, it's going to knock him off. It's going to throw off his rhythm. It's going to give him less time to find Roberson, to find the AT Perry deep shot. I mean, that was where the problem lied. And Dino didn't try and fix that. And it, the entire game, that's what the problem was. And then at the end of the game and overtime, that's what happened is that no one blitzed Hartman had time. He threw the ball to the one spot, AT Perry could catch it. And he did. If Deuce turns around, however, it's a pick and it's the game's over, but he didn't turn around. He's focused on trying to stop the receiver. It was a wild catch and a wild throw to happen. Maybe 20 feet in front of where I was sitting it it almost felt like a why did this happen to us moment um but you can't blame as you said you can't blame garrett you can't blame deuce I mean they are they're gonna have a moment where they don't play 100 percent that's just gonna happen no one is perfect for the entire season Dino put way too much faith in these guys and I'm not saying they're bad and we're not saying they're awful at all we're just saying you can't do a single thing on defense and assume it'll work all the time at some point you're gonna get you're gonna to get torched. And that happened with Perry's big sixty-nine yard touchdown. That happened with his other forty-two yarder and his twenty-two yarder. That it it came back to bite D Yeah,
0: and, and the other thing on that is um the longer you ask these guys to cover people, it doesn't matter how good you are, the longer you have to cover somebody, the more difficult it's gonna be. And so when you don't pressure Garrett, uh when you don't pressure Sam Hartman, then Garrett Williams and um Deuce Chestnut have to be in coverage longer, which obviously makes their job more difficult. That's just the way it is, regardless of how good your corners are. Now to wrap up, I just want to get your, your kind of quick final thoughts on where Syracuse goes from here. Now that they're three and three after losing a heartbreaking overtime game to a top 20 undefeated team.
1: I think Syracuse is the exact same thing we've said after the past couple losses to Rutgers and Florida state, which is this game was a positive. They played really well. Their offense was, dynamite i mean they look awesome without taj harris which is interesting to say i mean courtney jackson stepped up queely looks good sean tucker is a heisman candidate i mean that's i've said it about 30 times today and i will continue to say it if he does not win i'll be angry um but the offense played well the defense will bounce back we know they will you take this with a grain of salt and i know that sounds really tough to say to Hughes fans but you take this with a grain of salt and if you play as well as you did this week against clemson In the dome on Friday, I don't see how we lose this game. That's my honest truth. I don't see how we lose against Clemson.
0: I think that what I know about Syracuse is that they are a significantly improved team from the last two seasons. That the record does not reflect how well they've played this season. They probably should be four and two or five and one at a minimum but sometimes when you are changing your offensive philosophy that the offense is still you know took a little while to figure out its identity and that you have a lot of young players at key positions offensive line for example you've got some young players um you know the Garrett Schrader despite the fact that he came from an SEC school he's still very young in terms of how many games he's actually started and played Sean Tucker is only in his second year, despite how amazing he has played. Um, you've got some young players uh, defensively that are in their their first or second year. So um, I think that you can see the improvement from the last couple of years. I think you can see the improved depth from the last couple of years. And as long as Syracuse stays competitive for the rest of the season – Regardless of what the the final record ends up being, I still think that's enough to to let Dino, you know, roll it out next year with Schrader and Tucker back, and, and kind of see how it goes next year uh, before ultimately making a decision on where he is long term. And and you never know what could happen in the final six games. Syracuse could find a way to to win three of those and and get to a bowl game. But um, you know, I, I I think that there there is reason to be somewhat optimistic and positive about where things are going based on some of those improvements, despite the fact that the record hasn't reflected uh, some of that to the fullest extent. That'll do it for episode 11 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I'm Mike McAllister for Kyle F and we'll see you next time.